Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm, the podcast that shows do-gooders, nonprofits, and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Cause Marketing Forum and Selfish Giving. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at CauseUpdate.com and SelfishGiving.com. Now on to today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. On the line with me now is Miss Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Now, I always can picture you, Megan, like in this time of year, like you're out at the pool and maybe you got a couple of floaties on the arm. I'm at the pool right now. I'm in the pool right now, actually. That's what Mm -hmm. I thought. You have a drink. I do. And then on a float next to you is a microphone. Is a microphone. Yeah, that's exactly how I'm doing this. That's exactly how I am. I'm just going to let you keep that. I know. Fantasy vision that, of me. That fantasy a lot. <laughs> you know who we have on the line today? We have an one amazing of person. Frequent, amazing person. One of our frequent and most loved guests, Miss Molly Ray, who is president of Full Momentum, a cause agency in Atlanta. Hey, Molly, how's it going? Uh, it's going great, and now you'll just never know if that red in my cheeks is blushing or sunburn. Right. She's, she's so, Molly's actually on a raft next to me. That's right. <laughs> And now I'm, we now just didn't invite you. And now I'm getting really <laughs> jealous. Here. You know what I mean? That that I am holed up in my office somewhere, you know, excluded from air conditioning and light and everything like that, while you two are out enjoying yourself. That's but right. It doesn't surprise That's how me. How the other half lives? Now too. I can I can certainly see that with Molly because of all the incredible work she does. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but Molly, we are on the line with you today, and something that you presented at the Cost Marketing Forum this year that I thought was really interesting and something that people really responded well to was the 2015 Full Momentum Corporate Partner Survey. This was something your agency did, and it really looked at local and national giving strategies, partnership expectations, target audiences and stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about the study and why you did it? Sure. Yeah. Um, You know, I think that one of the most typical questions um, I am asked uh, about about my partners from my clients about prospective partners is, gosh, what are companies looking for in their partnerships? And it is um, it's such a great question. And I, uh, you know, often, uh, you know, answer based on my hunches. But I decided it was time to go to the source and ask mm-hmm. some of these questions directly of corporate partner um, decision makers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we thought that this would be a good focus of our 2015 survey, and we've got some really great nuggets and really great um, insights that help with knowing how to sell to your corporate prospects. Mm. And I noticed there's a list here, too, uh, of all the great companies that you asked. Uh, Disney, KitchenAid, eBay, all these people got back to you. Yes. um, We were very pleased with the response, not just with the marquee value of the brand names, but also with the diversity. I mean, when you really look at the survey, we have packaged goods, we have retailers, we have um, restaurants, you know, a wide variety of different types of organizations that we were able to secure feedback from. And what's really interesting is um, this was a simple survey monkey. You know, I think a lot of the value is in knowing how to position the questions. But beyond that, these are very easy surveys to field. And our responses were, um, were you know, very robust. So we were we were pleased with not only the number of, of people that responded, but also, you know, that provided answers to all the questions um, that we asked. 
What do you feel was were some of the most interesting things that you found out through the survey that maybe either confirmed a hunch that you had or totally proved the opposite? So there were um, there were some surprises and there were some affirmations to your, to your very point, Megan. And um, I think that one of the things that I'll point out from the top is that the survey results largely indicate what we are all hearing uh, you know, in the marketplace regarding to the fact that trends are changing and that corporate decision makers are really looking more and more, not strictly for um, sales benefits, but really to, to create impact. Mm. And uh, we've been hearing that, you know, a lot at the Cost Marketing Forum and other places, and it really, it really came true in our results. But one of the surprising things that I think we found out, um, it's not really surprising, but I guess it's more validating, <laughs> I'll say, is that, you know, we hear from time to time in in blog posts and other, you know, folks that are writing about the space, they'll say, oh, well, cause marketing is really saturated. And, you know, most of the companies have already found the partner that they want to work with. And, you know, there's a lot of gloom and doom um, that gets sort of bandied about. And our survey showed, in fact, very much the opposite, that the bulk mm. of of corporations work with multiple partners mm-hmm. and that they are always open to ideas, not just um, not just you know set with the things that they already have. You know, I think it's interesting too, Molly and Megan, how you know you see this evolution in cause, and that, and you mentioned it too, Molly, in the sense like it's not so focused on the transactional sales benefits, but impact itself has become valuable to these brands. Do you know, it's that it's that in the sense like, you know, they've kind of stepped it up a little bit in terms of the value of the organization, because everyone recognizes now working with a cause and a cause having an impact that you can identify yourself with is something that is sales worthy. Exactly. You know, and there's a question in the survey. Um, again, it's hard, you know, on the radio to bring forth, you know, you don't have the visuals to follow along, but certainly you can download all of the details of the survey. But the question to your point that we asked, Joe, was we said, you know, we, we gave um, respondents a laundry list of motivations for why they want to engage in partnerships. So, you know, we asked on 12 or 13 different characteristics, and there were four items that rose to the top. So uh, brand and mission alignment was the yep. top factor. Nearly um, nearly 100% of folks, you know, expect that when they're selecting a partner, there needs to be brand and mission alignment. Um, 80% were looking to create awareness and visibility. Um, about 75% were looking to showcase their community and social responsibility. And then 60% were um, looking to increase brand loyalty. So, you know, those mm. are the four, you know, we asked the question the first time, Select all that apply to you. You know, pick any of these factors that apply. And these were the four that rose to the top. But then the next question we said, okay, now you can only pick one. Pick Mm -hmm. one reason, uh, your top factor when you're selecting a partner. And when we put it that way, 92% chose brand alignment Mm. as their reason for partnering. Mm -hmm. So I I just, I want to push back on that just a little bit because absolutely brand and mission alignment are important. But I just, I don't know. What do you guys think about this? I feel like 
If the sales piece isn't there in some way, shape, or form, you know, maybe it's not direct correlational sales, but if that piece isn't there, how are these programs going to be sustainable? So my question is, do you think that they're not thinking in that regard? Because we get a lot of people on the show who are like, we are doing this out of the goodness of our heart. We are the nicest brand Mm. in the world. That's why we do this. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, that's nice, but you have to be able to justify these programs somehow and the money you're spending and the resources you're spending to be able to continue that. So is it really just like the key message speak, no, we care mostly about impact? Or do you really think that they don't see that bigger picture of wrapping it all back around into the sustainability of the business? Well, you know, I I think it's this way. So I'm going to take a a small twist on what you've said. I think that, that the the ability to demonstrate the business impact, whatever that business impact is in terms of um, sales or awareness or data capture or, you know, whatever, whatever the benefit is, sampling, whatever, um, that is a base, uh, a base goal that they might have with any number of nonprofits, mm-hmm. but it is the brand alignment so in other words, if I am, you know, a, a company that works in a particular industry segment, I might take the more natural partner that aligns with my brand so that the consumer can see the linkage and go, oh, I understand why a company like that would support right. a nonprofit like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other, the, all the other variables that you mentioned, like, you know, meeting the business goals, they have to be, they have to be reached as well. But they have to be reached with someone that makes sense with the company's brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could yeah. see that. I could see yeah. that. Yeah, and I think, you know, and we've talked about this too before where, you know, I've called it in the past on the more transactional level, granimal cause marketing. And, you know, at the very base transactional level, I don't think it's as important that brands and nonprofits are aligned in mission and everything has to be, you know, you have vitamin shops sponsoring vitamin angels and stuff like that, you know, because it is such a good fit. Um, but I do think at that higher level, especially with organizations wanting to be connected with impact so importantly that it behooves them to be connected in brand alignment. Yes. I think what's going to be interesting, Molly, do you, do you plan to continue this study year over year? I mean, maybe not every year, but into the future? Yeah, actually I do. And, um, you know, uh, what I really hope this was, this was a study that was born out of the curiosity I mentioned at the top of the call, you know, let's hear from a few brands and see what they, how they would answer some of these questions about mm-hmm. why they pick the partners they do. Um, but it is an aspiration to get an even broader mix of, of folks participating so that we have, you know, this is a directional survey as opposed to a statistically significant one. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I aspire to, you know, to move it into the, into the statistically significant range um, mm-hmm. moving forward. It'll just mm-hmm. be interesting to I see how. We, I think we found enough um, in this initial survey to warrant that deeper research. Mm. And I think it'll be interesting to see how these answers could potentially change or you could potentially dig deeper into some of these because, you know, I, I think you're right. People see things through a certain lens and yes, you still have to accomplish those business goals. But as you said, if there's no mission and brand fit, then it doesn't necessarily make sense. Well, I think that the big thing I think that has shifted a lot in the past several years, though, is that 
companies have to be engaged with causes in some way. You know, when I was out selling cause marketing 15 years ago, it was a different landscape um, in terms of how people looked at it. And now I think that there is that, you know, that basic requirement now, Megan, and that's what has given everyone a boost in this area is that brands feel like they need to be engaged in this, even if they can't always point to the direct sales benefits of it. Would you agree with that, Molly? I would I would agree wholeheartedly with that, mm-hmm. and um, you know I think that's a huge differentiator, Joe. I remember you know when I first got involved in the business as well, I, I had to really work hard to not be transferred to someone in the foundation, you know, versus <laughs> someone in, in, in yeah. the marketing or business side of the house. Um, and so that landscape has completely changed, and you know we all know from a variety of research that consumer expectations have now reached a level where they actually place almost as much emphasis on the community um, goodwill of a company, not just the not just the products or services that they're providing. And that's a really high bar, mm. um, you know, for, for corporations to have to, yeah. have to you know, jump over. <laughs> so yeah. Although, you know, I, I think it's interesting that it's still challenging for companies, too, because in some ways, though, is because I think in a lot of cause businesses, people that are leading with causes, except for Tom's and Warby Parker and several others and stuff like that, I do think that you know companies still need to focus on that product piece, right? You know, I heard uh, someone on the Shock Tank the other night. One of the one of the shocks on the show was, and they were talking about brands that matter, and he said that um, first you have to make it, then you have to master it, and then you can matter. And uh, and I was like, that's probably the right prescription, you know, for most businesses in terms of being successful, although we're seeing a lot more businesses too get involved with causes at a much earlier stage. A good example being Uber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they have really done some standout. You know, I've been doing another great example, I think, is Fitbit. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, right. I'm yeah. seeing them all over the place and yeah. um, various places where people can be focused on their health. And they're finding that connection. And, you know, that's probably a good example of a company that is looking for the right opportunities always as opposed to aligning with just one uh, particular cause. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, another trend that, you know, that we talk about so much in, in the cause marketing arena that really, um, you know, was, was emphasized in the results of, of the survey were the employee audience. Mm-hmm. and that more than 75% of our survey participants uh, list employees as a priority audience for their cause efforts. And so um, I think to your point earlier, Joe, where you were mentioning that, you know, it's becoming a time when companies really need to engage Mm -hmm. in community. It's also becoming a time where they really need to engage um, their employees because yeah. they, you know, the research bears out that more motivated employees or more engaged employees are more motivated and more productive. Right. And one of the most effective ways to engage them is with the philanthropic um, and cause partnership aspects of the business. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because when you have a breakdown of what departments are involved, according to your survey respondents, and HR is not one of these huge departments that's involved. So I think that really speaks to the fact that employee engagement is becoming more important across the board. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking to community relations sort of people, maybe marketing PR. And if they're saying employees, I think that's, I think that's a huge trend that we've definitely seen. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I was also baffled by that HR response. But then when I looked at senior leadership, mm-hmm. 65% um of, you know, of companies report that they involve their senior leadership, maybe that's where that employee engagement piece is coming in because yeah. those folks certainly have the broader perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, community relations also, you know, surprised me a little bit because it showed up as the strongest department. Um, and, you know, it wasn't too long ago that there was no such, you know, there. well, I won't say there was no such thing, but certainly community relations was very much about working strictly in a company's headquarters markets or in a few select markets. Now we're seeing community relations being involved in these nationwide uh, what we previously considered more marketing types of, of relationships. Mm. What, do you, what do you think, what advice would you give to nonprofits just knowing what you know or, and are hearing about employees as they're approaching companies? Uh, about employees in particular? Yes. Yeah. So I think that, um, I think that nonprofits need to be creative and look at ways where they can engage employees and, and not just in a way of, um, you know, getting them to donate, but actually getting them to, to feel the mission. And so I think one of the challenges is that, you know, many nonprofits will say, well, we don't, you know, we just don't have an opportunity to right. introduce yeah. employees directly to our constituency. Well, you know, I think that the advent of um, do-it-yourself fundraisers and, you know, mm-hmm. ways that people can really um, do something that they're passionate about to benefit a nonprofit is a different type of engagement that is available for more yeah. nonprofits. You know? Uh, you know, Molly, I think it's so critical what you're saying, too, and, and I share this all with my nonprofit clients, is I tell them all to think less about the events and the programs you want your these people to come to and start thinking about how you can tap into the things that they like to do and to raise money from that. And, you know, we're seeing obviously all these platforms pop up where people can do that from charity miles and obviously the online giving platforms and stuff like that, that people can be engaged in their everyday or special activities and raise money for causes they love. And there are so many ways that the that the nonprofits can bring the story to life yeah. besides direct, you know, direct volunteering, you know, direct yeah. exposure to the constituency and the volunteering. So, I mean, yeah. I, I'm I'm really impressed with the number of nonprofits I'm seeing these days who have, you know, just really robust YouTube channels that, yes. yeah. that tell their story. And well, see, I, I think, Molly, that what's so critical about that, though, and, and Megan, is that um, you know, with these things is that they have to, that's what I think is so important for nonprofits is that they have to learn to engage these audiences, these companies and the employees almost before they meet them so that they know who the heck they are when they do come on their radar screen. And I think that is what is so challenging for most organizations. It's not that they don't have good ideas when they get in the door. They can't get in the door. And you know what I mean? And the question is, how do you really get in the door? And it's like you need to be a visible brand that people connect with. Yeah. What yeah, about I think so. what what about I'm just thinking of, of in that employee toolbox, for lack of a better word, how much do you feel the nonprofits need to come to the companies with resources in, in order to roll something out? You know what I mean? Like Versus a concept, like, wouldn't it be great if your employees got involved in X way? I would think it would be really important for them to have something that's pretty turnkey, that doesn't take a lot of staff time in creating materials and 
communications and any experiences there? Yeah, and actually, I'm going to segue that question to another data point that we received Great. Um, in, in the materials because I think that those, you know, this is one factor. Um, you know, w- one of the overarching, you know, key takeaways from this uh, survey was when we asked an open-ended question related to, you know, what are the biggest mistakes that come that nonprofits are making when they call on us, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of. Um, there were a variety of answers, but the resounding majority were saying, you know, that they're coming to us not having done their homework, mm-hmm. that they don't understand what my company needs from a partnership, that they don't understand who we are and what we need to accomplish, that they're not looking right. at our website in advance. Yep. And, you know, I think, um, Megan, to your point, you know, I, if you are going to go in with some employee ideas, you better have researched the other sorts of activities that this company has supported in the past. Yeah. Because to your very point, um, you know, I know I was calling on a company. Um, it was a retailer who who does the predominant amount of their business on Saturdays and Sundays. And they were saying that so many nonprofits come to them and say, oh, you know, you can get your, your employee base to walk in our walk, you know, do mm-hmm. a team in our walk, and it's great teamwork. And they're like, but we can't do that because we do most of our sales on Saturday. Right. We, can't, mm-hmm. we can't afford to let our associates yeah. – not work on Saturday. So we came yeah. up with the concept of, of putting Fitbits on them and having them walk in the stores on that Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so meet them where they are and be creative yeah. and don't expect them to just, um, you know, jump onto your idea of how you do it with most everyone. You've really got to customize. Right. And, and I think Molly, and that's great what you're saying too, is that they have to have the deep understanding of the, of the company and then a framework for how they can participate with them, but no set rules. I mean, that's the thing is I, I try to get with all my nonprofit clients, I try to get them out, you know, going in with things with levels and, you know, and, you know, 100, you know, 100 slide decks and all these different things. I don't think that's what companies want. Well, you, you've just given me another great opportunity to showcase. We asked. Holy moly. I can't believe it. She's we got enough for you know, I'm, I'm taking those openings where I can get them. <laughs> but, She's got to keep us on task. Seriously, I mean, I, that you just you just hit another hot button of, you know, what should we include in that in that presentation? What should be, you know, what should be in this deck? Should it be a hundred pages? Like, what should it look like? And so we asked um, a variety of questions, and you know, um, what what we found to be the top five things that that companies are looking for. Um, is an understanding of your mission, um, an understanding of the demographics that you will help them reach, mm-hmm. an, an overview of the partnership opportunity, an outline of the specific partner benefits that are available through a partnership with with a nonprofit, and what it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I think those are you know in a, in a lot of ways those seem to be sort of common sense if you will, but when you compare it to what's really being included in a lot of proposals, you'll see that it, you know, there's a disconnect there. And so we really need to get back to the basics, mm-hmm. and just help them to understand, help our corporate prospects to understand, you know, what we're doing, how we're who we're reaching, um, how we're reaching them, how that how how the corporate partner can be a part of that and what benefits they're going to receive and what it's going to cost them. Yeah. Common sense is it's common sense, but common sense isn't common. That's right. right? Yeah. (laughs) Well put. (laughs) Well, with that, with that knowledge, do you then recommend that people keep their 
slide decks, for lack of a better pitch decks, shorter. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So, get rid of them. Shorter. Oh my you know, I I think that um, <laughs> this is not from the survey. This is from the School of Hard Knocks, <laughs> which I have a you know graduate degree in. Um, I think that co- that nonprofits typically feel like, oh gosh, they finally got that appointment that they've been trying to get for so long. So they better say everything they can possibly say exactly. you know, to impress them. And re- the re- reality is that, you know, that the nonprofit needs to go into that first appointment with one goal in mind. And that goal is to get a second appointment, mm-hmm. not, to get it, not to close a sale, not to completely, you know, sell a particular program, but to interest the corporate prospect enough on the first phone call that they want to know more. So, Using that as a guide, you know, I I also teach when I'm teaching nonprofit sales that you really go into that first meeting with what I call the 70-30 rule, which is that you listen 70% of the time and talk 30% of the time. So you want to have your basic information that is a reference. Um, that you can that you can share the basic points, but you want to spend a lot of that first call asking good questions and listening, so that you know which of that hundred bank of slides that you have <laughs> to put into your second presentation, because you'll you know, know which one of those are germane. Molly, I got to apologize for Megan too. I mean, she's never carried a bag anywhere. You know what I mean? In terms of being a salesperson, she's <laughs> one of those true. people. She's been a, she's been in her marketing tower. That you is know not I mean? true. Generating her reports and her events and slides <laughs> and stuff like that. So I, I apologize for some of these questions. Oh, please. I so know that's not true. <laughs> Thank you, Molly. Well, this is all fantastic. And we haven't even sort of, we've sort of skimmed the surface on the great data that you have put together, Molly. And you have a fantastic infographic and you have some resources with the data points. Where can people find this great information that you have collected? Yeah, well, thank you so much for asking. Um, we we do have these posted for free on our website, which is the same as our name, For Momentum. That's F O R Momentum um, dot com, and you know, just give us your email address, and we'll um, make it available to you so you can download everything. And hopefully, we have um, we have the information, as you said, in infographic format, but also in a PowerPoint presentation. Um, because we certainly know that sometimes you need to have the data in different formats. So hopefully hopefully we have some good resources there. Excellent. And we will post those in the show notes. Um, Joe, where can people find you online if they would like to do that? You know, I do want to mention about Full Momentum. They have an excellent newsletter that comes out monthly. And I actually write for those wonderful people over at Full Momentum. And my latest post, which you can check out now there, is how to turn sponsorship into cost marketing and raise more money. So be sure to check that out and sign up for their monthly newsletter. Uh, Of course, people can find me at Selfish Giving. You can find me Minute to Minute on Twitter at Joe Waters. And of course, check out those Pinterest boards at Pinterest.com front slash Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF. You can find show notes for today's show at CauseUpdate.com, and I know Joe will have them as well at SelfishGiving.com. And of course, we want you to subscribe to Cause Talk Radio on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening to this episode and you enjoyed it, please take a moment and give us a review. Helps us a lot to understand what you're thinking. So on behalf of Molly and Joe and myself, we'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio, and We'll talk to you next time.